You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavuah and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha Tetzaveh, but it is also Parsha Zachor. And as we already devoted a Shir to the typical Half Torah of Parsha Tetzaveh on a year when it does not coincide with Parsha Zachor, we are now going to devote this Shir to the unique Half Torah of Parsha Zachor. We'll be reminded that Parsha Zachor is the second of the Dalad Parshios, the four unique passages that we read at this time of year. Each of the Dalad Parshios corresponds to a particular mitzvah that is relevant to the season, and we have them at, at this time of year. And we already devoted a series to explaining the Dalad Parshios back in Parsha Panorama. You can go l- listen to those shirim in the archives to know exactly what these Parshios are about. But we're going to see what these Parshios are about in terms of their Haftarah. So a couple of weeks ago, when Parsha Shkalim, the first of the Dalad Parshios, co- um, coincided with Parshas Mishpatim, we devoted a shir to Parshas Mishpatim, and then we devoted a separate shir to talk about the Haftarah of Shkalim and the significance of that particular mitzvah. And right now we're going to visit... Sefer Shmuel Aleph, where we find the Haftarah for Parsha Zachor. This, I believe, is the first time that we are opening Sefer Shmuel Aleph as a Haftarah this year. Um, of course, if you go back far enough to Rosh Hashanah, there was a Haftarah from Shmuel Aleph, but in this series, this is the first time that we're seeing Shmuel Aleph. And Bez Rosh Hashem, when we get back to Rosh Hashanah, we'll see it again as well. We'll also see um, Sefer Shmuel when we get to Parshas Korach. Um, offhand, those are the only ones that I could think of that come from Shmuel. It doesn't mean that there aren't others, but uh, that does mean those are the only ones that I could think of right now. But we are going to see what the Haftarah has to tell us about the particular Parsha that we are laning this week. So after Tetzaveh, there's going to be the Maftir from Parsha Zachar, which comes from Parsha's Kiseitse, the last three Psukim of Kiseitse, which tells us Zachor to remember that which Amalek did to us, remember the mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. That is the particular mitzvah that we reflect on this particular Shabbos, and we always have it right before Purim. As we know, that Chazal tell us that there is a connection, um, there is a relationship between Haman, the Tzorer Hayehudin, the tormentor, the enemy of the Jews, in the story of Megillus Esther, a uh, connection to him and his predecessor, Amalek, who was also a descendant of Esav. And due to that, we reflect on all the different times that we had to go to war, to combat, and to battle Amalek in every generation. And we know that Lador, Lador, we're trying to destroy them. We're going to read from Parsha's Beshalach on Purim morning, which talks about the actual war. Parsha Zachor reminds us of the ongoing war that we have to fight. And it reminds us of our place in that war. And so if the mitzvah is Mechias Amalek, it makes perfect sense that the Haftarah, which we find in Shmuel Aleph, Perak Tezvav 15, which uh, takes us from Pasuk Aleph all the way to Pasuk Ramadalad, uh, a nice, nice long chapter to talk about the war that Shoal HaMelech was commanded by Shmuel Hanavi to fight against Amalek, to fight against Melech Agag at the time, the King Agag of Amalek. So you don't have to search high or low to find the connection. But what I do think is important for us is to talk about what the Haftarah wants us to know about the battle against Amalek. The connection we know, it's a fight against Amalek, just like we're going to read about on Purim in the Megillah, just like we're going to read about on Purim when we read from Parshas B'Shalach. So this was its own war in the times of Shmuel Hanavi. What we have to reflect on is what the Haftarah says to us. Now, if you follow the database podcast, 
you already know that in several of the Purim Shiurim, we've talked at length about not only um, Amalek, but the myths of Mechias Amalek and this particular Haftarah. Meaning, we've already addressed this Haftarah in the past, and if you listen to the Shiurim in the archives, you'll find plenty of material on it. And in case you've already heard those Shiurim, I'm not going to rehash every single point. And yet, in the event that you haven't heard the other Shiurim, so first of all, I recommend you go back and listen to all the old Shiurim. But in the event that you did not, I'll try to still give enough information to make the lesson, this particular Shiur, meaningful for you so that you have some food for thought, um, and not just food for thought, but spiritual energy to take you through these Yimei Purim. But before we take a look inside, I want to dedicate the shir, and now we get to a little bit of the text, just to see a little bit of the background. Um, so what we do find is that um, Shmuel tells Shol in the very first Pasuk, he says, um, He sent me to anoint you, to be the Melech Alamo, to be the king of, of his people, and now you have to listen to the voice of Hashem. And it's very interesting how Shmuel introduces this particular piece. He says, Your job, Hashem. Why is that significant? Listen to the voice of Hashem. Like, is there, is there a hava, I mean, is there a forethought that Shal HaMelech would do something alternative? Maybe you wouldn't have had a forethought, but if you read the Haftarah, you read the Navi, you read the, the Perak to its conclusion, and you'll see that, unfortunately, there was an alternative. And this is literally what the Haftarah is about, and this, I believe, is really what Purim is about, and this is what the, the, the Milchama against the Malik is about. It's literally about this question of whether or not Hashem. are you going to listen to the voice of the words of Hashem? Why? Because what happens? So, I have recalled, interesting, he doesn't use the word Zachor, but he says, I have recalled, I'm revisiting, right? What's the difference between Pekida and Zechira? So the Malbim discusses this. It's an important piece in its own right, and we find both Lashonos in connection to Rosh Hashanah as the Yom Zikaron, but it's also a Yom of, of Pekida. Usually, Zechira says the Malbim, Zechira means just remembering, recalling something. Pekida means you're going to revisit it with action. Right, then the Pekita means like you made a particular promise and you're now coming to return to it. I believe it's the Malvin who says this. So he says, I'm revisiting what a Malik did to Yisrael, when they were leaving Mitzrayim. It sounds a lot like what we read from Parsha Zohar, the only thing different being the lotion of Pekita versus Zechira. But the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, by the way, tells us that, this, that the words are almost synonymous. And now says, you're going to hit Amalek, and you're going to not, you're going to utterly destroy them. There's going to be a cherem against them, meaning a ban. You are not to take anything from them, in other words. Everything of his, and you're not going to have any mercy. You're going to kill, for you're going to cause to die, for man to woman, even the children who are who are suckling, so obviously it's very intense, and this uh, brings to our minds the question about having mercy on, on babies who did nothing wrong, the question of can an Amaleki do teshuva and possibly convert, and is there is there a way that the child could be spared? A moral discussion, obviously. Um, now we have to remember that when it comes to morals versus the Torah, we know that the Torah is the headquarters of all true morals, and this is actually part of what the Haftarah is really about, because... The Pasuk tells us that, interestingly, it says, Vayishama Sha'ul. Now, it doesn't say Vayishma Sha'ul, that Sha'ul listened, but it says, Vayishama Sha'ul, that Sha'ul, he 
caused the others to listen. In other words, he made an announcement. Right, because Vayishma Shaul would be incorrect that Shaul listened. We know that Shaul. We're going to see that he didn't listen. But what happens? He um, he he gathers all the people and they they go to do the battle. And then uh, just to skip a little bit through, what ends up happening is Vayisposes Agag. They end up capturing Agag Melech Amalek, and they capture him Chai alive. And Chai is the key word because they keep him alive. Because in Pasuk Tes, the Navi tells us Vayichmal Shaul Am Al Agag that Shaul and the people had mercy on him. They had compassion, pity, and even on the sheep of the Habakar, and even on the sheep and the cattle. Very, very strange. And it goes on to list all the things that they saved and all the things that they did not destroy from the spoils. Isn't it interesting that in the Megillah, it talks about the spoils a lot. And yet, it says, they they did not extend their hands to the booty, to the spoils of, of their war against their Amalekia uh, enemies. Why? Perhaps some kind of fix from what happens in this story. But what happens? They spare the sheep and the cattle, all the animals that they were told not to spare, and of course they spare, um, they spare Agag, the king of Amalek. So what happens? Shmuel comes to Shaul and says, um, "Hey, have you done what you were supposed to do?" And Shaul's answer in Pasuket Gimel is, "Hakimos yestavar Hashem. I have fulfilled. I have upheld the word of Hashem." Vayomer Shmuel and Shmuel says, one second, Pasuk Yedalad, he says, Umeh kol hatzon, but what? At the automatopoeia. But meh, what is that sound of the sheep that I hear? Right, what, what happened? You say you listen to Hashem, you listen to the voice of Hashem, is that true? And Shoal says, well actually, brought them, I brought them from Malik, and he blames the people, they had mercy on them. So yeah, um, I basically listened, says Shoal, and says Shmuel, no, you didn't. You didn't listen. And I've, I've quoted this in the past from my Rebbe of Yenison Sachs, who quotes the Chavetz Chaim, who explains what the Pasuk tells us about, about Shoal's actions, the way it's described, that this is Ra Bene Hashem, that which you've done. Right, well, in, in the exact Lashon, says Shmuel, you think you're small, that, you're, that you shouldn't stand up to the people? And then, skipping to Pasuk Yates, and here's the main line, I introduced this message with, you better listen to the voice of Hashem, but you have not. Why have you not listened to the voice of Hashem? But instead, you flew upon the spoil. And says the Chavetz Chaim, why does it say that you've done evil in the eyes of Hashem? And the answer, well, let's, let's flesh out the question a little, bit, a little bit. Why have you done evil in the eyes of Hashem? So Chavetz Chaim asks, what do you mean you've done evil? It's, it's not what he had done was evil. It's what he did not do that was evil. Right? Well, the thing that he didn't do, he should have killed the Malik. He should have destroyed the spoils and not, and not um, tried to benefit from it. What you did, sorry, what you didn't do was the problem. So says Chavetz Chaim, what's the rule? So why is he saying that what you did is evil? It's that what you didn't do was evil. And explains Chavetz Chaim, no. Because he killed man, woman, child from Amalek, but didn't, com- didn't completely fulfill the command? So the answer is, no, you didn't listen to Hashem. And that which you did do, the killings that you did do, those were not coming from Ratzon Hashem. Those were not coming from what Hashem wanted. Because after all, Hashem told you to do it this way. You did it your own way. We preface this with listen to the voice of Hashem. 
Listen to the voice of the Torah. Listen to Ratzon Hashem and see what Hashem is telling you to do. And this is actually a beautiful connection, um, even though when it comes to Parashas Zachar, um, we are really trying to connect the Haftarah to the passage in the Torah that we read of, of the, the end of Parshas Kisetze, but this really connects to Parshas Tetzaveh as well, and Parshas Vayikra, the other um, Shabbos, the other Parsha that often coincides with Zachar, like on a leap year. Um, and there are other Parshas that can coincide with Zachar, but most commonly, I believe it's Vayikra and, um, and, um, and Tetzaveh, maybe sometimes Tzav, I could be wrong. But those parshios, they all have something in common with this parsha as well, with this passage in Navi. You see, Shaul HaMelech, he takes from the spoils and he does something really, something really noble with them. He offers them as karbanos. What could be greater than a karban Hashem? Offering a karban to Hashem, a sacrifice. Right? It's a beautiful thing. We have the, we dive into the base of Megdash every single day so that we can offer karbanos to connect to Hashem. But what is the goal of a karban? So the Pasuk says, I'll give you the example from this week's Parsha. We find it in Vayikra as well, but I'll give it to you from Tetzaveh. This week's Parsha is going to be a reach nicholach la Hashem. It's going to be a pleasing fragrance to Hashem. What does that mean? Hashem likes how it smells? Like when you get home and you, and you, and you smell your wife or your mother's cooking for Shabbos and it smells really nice? So says Rashi, no. What's, why is it called reach nicholach la Hashem? Take a look at Chav Tes Chav Hei in Shmos 29.25. It is a source of contentment to he who said that the offering should be brought in the first place and whose will was properly performed. In other words, what is the reach nichalach of a carbon? I told you what to do, and you did it. I gave you the instructions, you followed through. You fulfilled it exactly the way you're supposed to. But what was Shaul's case that you did not do? And what you did do was bad. This is really the core, I believe, of Purim when it comes to the topsy-turvy nature, the vinohafachu of Purim, where we do a lot of things that are kind of unexpected, right? And I would say that the obliteration of a malik is something that is very contrary in nature to what we expect the conduct of a yid to be, right? To be merciful, right? To have chemla and rachamim on Hashem's creatures and creations. That's normally what we do. We're Baishanim, we're Rachmanim, we're Gomalei Chasadim, as the Gemara says in Yuvamus. So that's our nature. And that was Shaul's nature as well. And in Gilas Esther, Zeresh intimates to Haman, ooh, she intimates to Haman that that is the disadvantage of the Jews in the grand scheme, that because we're so kind-natured and merciful, that all Haman has to do is fall before Esther and then they'll have mercy, just like Agag did to Shoal. And often in history it worked out. Mordechai tells Esther this time we have, we, we have to be stronger. Normally we're used to being silent, right? The Midah of Shtika is the Midah of Binyamin. Humility, softness, the same softness demonstrated by Shoal HaMelech. And now is the time, Vinohavachu, to go the opposite route. To go against even your Jewish nature, because that's what Ratzon Hashem tells you to do to do something contrary, to do something a little bit more brazen, because right now that's what Hashem wants. It's not a Jewish thing to go out and get drunk. It's not a Jewish thing to do a lot of the things that we do on Purim. And of course, it could totally be done in a non-Jewish way. right? If you go and just kill somebody, and you don't do it in line with the Ratzon Hashem, then you just killed somebody. 
in Chas Vashalom, it should never happen, Lo Aleinu, especially if someone causes damage to another person, but you're doing that in the spirit of Purim and in the spirit of I'm drinking, well, are you listening to the voice of Hashem? Are you following through with Ratzon Hashem? Or are you going to say, oh look, Hashem, I'm offering you a carbon from the animal that Hashem said he didn't want. Right? That's what Shmuel tells Shaul. You think Hashem wants your carbon? You think Hashem prefers your carbon to, to doing the Ratzon Hashem? And Shaul tries to argue back with Shmuel. He says, Asher shamati b'kol Hashem. I listen to Hashem's voice. And Shmuel says, no. Do you think that Hashem wants olos and zvachim, burnt offerings and feast offerings, more or even as much as He likes that you listen to His ratzon? You think that that you know what the best kind of zevach is, the best kind of feast offering? Just do what He says. Just do what Hashem says. That's the best thing you can do. But your kabbalos are an act of rebellion because it wasn't in line with ratzon Hashem. And that's really the question we have to ask ourselves on Purim and on really every single day. We ask it particularly on Purim when we're doing things that are contrary. We're doing things that are vinohafachu from the norm. When you're doing things that are vinohafachu from the norm, like Sholomelech was charged to do when it came to the obliteration of Amalek, things that are contrary to the norm, we have to ask ourselves, am I doing something that's in line with Ratzon Hashem? And if I am, it has to be done exactly the way Hashem says. Not more, not less. And yes, this is a question to be asked when we're doing things within the norm as well. But when you're doing things, right, there is something to be said about the weakness of doing things by rote and by routine. But at the very least, when you're following the general orach chaim, you're doing exactly what Hashem normally tells you to do on a normal daily basis. So in all likelihood, there's a good chance, a fair enough chance that you're doing it relatively correctly. Masha'in came when we're doing things differently. And you have to ask yourself, am I doing it pristinely in line with Ratzon Hashem. And if yes, then that's the best, that's, that, that's a carbon la Hashem. But if not, chas v'shalom, then that's rabbe in Hashem. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves on Purim. That's the question we have to ask ourselves in the battle against Amalek. Because Amalek, he represents what's contrary to Ratzon Hashem at his core. And Shol HaMelech lost that battle. The battle of, am I going to listen to the Sahara Or am I going to listen to the Kol Hashem? That's what the battle of Amalek takes, and he literally, he, he literally missed the he, he missed it, he he missed the point. He spared Amalek. He spared the embodiment of evil of the eight Sahara that says to go against Rasan Hashem. So in our lives, the way we battle Amalek, yes, I guess um, kill anti-Semites and do all those um, and do away with all those terrible people. But I think. To properly put things into perspective, I want to reflect on what was marked on the calendar a week ago as the Day of Hate, right? Anti-Semitic neo-Nazis who were suggesting that um, Shabbos would be a time of targeting Jews and just in the name of hating Jews. And I have mentioned in the past we had a we had a shear on the concept of the Torah's view of hate, and I think there is a misnomer that people have about the Torah's view of hate. And I mentioned this back then, and I'm mentioning it again today because I think it's important. I saw that one shul, doesn't really matter where the shul was, but the shul wanted to combat the day of hate. And they said that this Shabbos, this particular Shabbos, was going to be a day of love. Right? Because as maybe you've heard, some people like to say that love trumps hate. And it sounds like the, the suggestion is that 
hate is not a Jewish midah. Now we're gomli chasadim, which is definitely true, but is there a place for hate in Torah life? Is there a place for even achzarius, for brazenness? Is there a place for sinna? And the answer is absolutely yes, there is. And the, the particular piece that I think that speaks to this is the fact that the Rambam brings it down in Hilchus Malachim when he talks about Amalek. He says we have the mitzvah of Zechira, of remembering Amalek for the whole purpose so that our sinna for Amalek should be aroused. It should never be gone from our hearts. And there are plenty of times where we have this concept of hating. Oh, have Hashem sinura. Lovers of Hashem, they hate evil. There are plenty of things that we hate. If you're a person who loves anything, you have to hate something, right? If you love your child and someone targets your child, you're going to hate that person that's targeting your child. That person is evil. We are supposed to hate evil. So people should stop trying to condemn hate when what they should be condemning is evil. Because we should hate things. We should hate things that are evil. And when it comes to Amalek, Amalek is someone that we should be hating. You should hate Amalek. And you should want to obliterate Amalek. We teach our kids to boo at Haman. It's cute when, when you're kids, but when you realize as an adult, I have a mitzvah to hate. I have a mitzvah to hate. And you have to meditate on that. That's, it seems contrary to what we normally believe in. It is our nature, our natural inclination to assume that the response to hate is love. And I believe that Zachor really tells us that, in fact, the response to hate, at least the non-kosher hate that is manifest in Amalek, that is manifest in anti-Semitism, that is manifest in anything that is evil, the response to that, I don't believe is ahava, I don't believe it's love. The response to it should be hate, believe it or not. The response to non-kosher hate should be kosher hate. Because there are things that we are supposed to hate. We have a mitzvah to hate Amalek. Ohave Hashem Sinura. Lovers of Hashem hate evil. We have to hate these things. Because love doesn't always trump hate. It doesn't. Because sometimes the haters will come, they'll continue to hate, and they will destroy you. And unless you are brazen back, you are not going to survive. And this is this is about you know and this is about Ratzon Hashem. Purim tells us that there is a time to hate within the realm of Ratzon Hashem, within the within the confines of Ratzon Hashem. There is a way to hate. And in terms of the response, I think that Zachor tells us to remember the day of hate, the day that we are supposed to hate, namely the day that there were others that hated us, and even though we were doing our job minding our own business, as it were, and they came after us, and we say, Zachor, remember the day of hate, and Purim, in a certain sense, is a day of hate. It's a day of topsy-turvy. It's a day of doing things that are against our natural inclination, against Ava, against chesed, against humility, brazenness, going out there and doing things that are harsh. And Purim is the day where that is our calling. But make sure you're following the rules. Make sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's because the only way to do it right is if you're following every single prat, every single detail in the most pristine way. The kosher way, perhaps, to drink. The kosher way, perhaps, to hate. 
the kosher way to manifest brazenness, that is which that is the thing which we have to be zocher. We have to remember that, and not forget the fact that someone hated us and that there's a proper hateful response to them. But again, the response to hate is not always love. Sometimes it is a kosher form of hate, and to do it within the within within the the spectrum, the confines of Ratzon Hashem. The Reach Nichlach Hashem that says, I brought the carbon exactly the way Hashem told me to do it. Not just because I followed my own design and my own natural understanding of what, what's moral and correct. That's what Harsha Zachar, I believe, reminds us, and I believe that it's reminded to us um, or, um, in, in this Haftarah as well. And so with that, we should be Zoka to fulfill the mitzvah in any which way possible that we can of Mechia Samalek and all of the mitzvahs of Purim. We should do it in a way that is kosher. Anyway, I know we normally reserve Chag Kasher V'Sameach to Pesach, but I want to take the opportunity now to use it for Purim as well. It should be a Chag Kasher V'Sameach in every which way. And of course, if you enjoy sharing like this and others on the podcast, you want to partner with us with the sponsorship. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group for links to every uploaded Sheer, to updates, and of course, to any shirim that are in the archives that I am streaming. So you can follow there by reaching out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. It's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Anyway, have an absolutely wonderful Purim, and it should be a Purim of Geula, a victory over Amalek, with Biasko El Tzadik, the Meher Thank you for joining us here at the Database.